0: Well, we were going to talk about the college football games happening on Saturday, but I just have to react to that Purdue-Penn State game. Welcome in. This is Locked On Northwestern, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, your team every day. I'm your host, Carter Bird, and thank you for uh, making Locked On Northwestern your first listen every day, but as we get rolling here, um the plan was initially to talk about this Duke uh game cuz that's Northwestern's upcoming opponent and we still will but first I have to talk about this Purdue Penn State game because both of these teams are teams that Northwestern will see down the road and um you know I I come out of the game I come out of the game feeling better about the Penn State trip because you're going into 60 year Sean Clifford and he still looks like the same Sean Clifford like I mean even that last drive I don't think he threw a ball farther than 15 feet and literally he just dinked and dunked it down the field and I just don't think Purdue was ready for it which is tough to say but like his moments where he looks really he, moments where he looks good and his moments where he looks really really bad. I mean, the, the the drive before, the 72-yard pick six that he just airmails over everybody should have been the nail in the coffin. Now, when you talk about this, this Purdue team that took the lead, it felt like Purdue shot themselves in the foot the whole game. I mean, the the fumble by, by Sheffield that while going in for a score that set up Penn State to go down the other way and score before half and take a, a 21-10 lead. And then you dominate the second half for the most part. You, you're you outscoring Penn State 21-7 to in the second half. And then you get the ball twice with under four minutes left. And you are like addicted to throwing the football. And you don't run it at all. And it's it's not even like and some of the plays weren't even high percentage, high percentage passing plays. They were just chucking it deep and and hoping that it worked out. I mean, and you had Aiden O'Connell making play after play, and then you had these receivers and tight ends trying to make plays. You got bailed out by some penalties, but you ran the ball twice on those two drives. Just twice. And you aren't eating up any clock. And then well. Here you go. Penn State has the ball with about two minutes left, and they march down the field with their two timeouts, and they go and score and win the football game. Because then, then you have to march down the field in fifty-eight seconds. I mean, it's it killed me for those Purdue players because I don't think I've ever seen, I've ever seen a coach call a game like Jeff Brom did for. Purdue in that game I mean it was literally it felt like it felt like he was playing NCAA football on the Xbox I mean and he was just throwing it every down and everything should have told you to run the ball look and I know both teams did not run the football well Ben State carried it 32 times for 98 yards Purdue carried it 23 times for 70 yards. I mean, and that's also counting Aiden O'Connell's sacks that he took in the game. Um, but neither team was running the ball well. Neither team did a, a lot on the ground. All the all the damage was in the air. Credit to Charlie Jones. I believe I saw the stat that in his career at Buffalo and Iowa, the most the most amount of targets he had gotten in a game was five, most amount of catches was three. And he goes out there in game one with Purdue, 19 targets, 12 catches, 153 yards and a touchdown. Aiden O'Connell in my mind was the better of the two quarterbacks in this game, 29 of 58 for 356 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Sean Clifford was 20 of 37 and man, it was an uglier 20 of 37 than that. 282 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Um, The last drive, literally, he did not have to put the ball in the air um, longer than about five yards. It was – but I just, like, I was sitting there. (laughs) If you you follow me on Twitter, you definitely saw it. It was, what on earth was Jeff Brom thinking? And I come out of this game from a Northwestern perspective. I feel better about the trip to Penn State because they look – susceptible and and really um on the on the flip side Purdue does have a passing game that is good it is good and um Aiden O'Connell is a good quarterback Charlie Jones is a good receiver but I don't expect either of these teams to really be able to run the ball that much on Northwestern the front that we saw in Dublin Against a Nebraska team that is probably better built to run the football. I don't think that either of these teams can run on Northwestern. So I think it's gonna be a one-dimensional pass game. And as we've talked about, the Northwestern DBs group is a very strong, strong group. I mean, it it's it's somebody that I expect to stack up pretty decently well with 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 these two teams. And so because of that I think I came out of this game feeling better about both of these games. Um, I don't know. I'm starting. To, I'm starting to get this, this, this feeling that that this season is setting up better and better for Northwestern as time passes. I mean, the, just the fact that they they already can chalk up the one win in the Big Ten West, which. Purdue doesn't have now. Um, Penn State, obviously, on the other side, they they're they're one to zero. I just think that things are starting to to kind of set up for this Northwestern team to make a run again that nobody has has predicted. Because I think they're they're good enough in the trenches. They're good on defense. They're good enough in the front seven. The linebackers look pretty stout in the first game. The offensive line looks awesome. I think they're good enough to to make a push in the Big Ten West. Absolutely going to exceed three and a half wins in my mind. Three and a half wins is not even in the question. Um, I know that's the over-under for the season. I think by the end of the fourth game, that will be over that. Um, and we'll obviously talk more about Duke here this next week. So um, will talk about him here in just a second. Um, because... The week two opponent for Northwestern, Duke, they kick off their season tonight. So, in just a second, we're going to take a look at that. But first, um, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction time slows way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger but everyone around you. Talk about a bus kill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. All right, so let's talk about this this Duke game. They're playing they're playing Temple tonight. Um Duke is nine-point favorites in that game. Both teams in this game are coming off brutal finishes. Neither team won had a win in their last five. Duke's actually um, coming off an eight-game losing streak. So this Temple program that's been so good for so long finally uh, has dipped, and they get to take on a Duke team that that is thoroughly um, was thoroughly not impressive last year. They they did win that. Northwestern game last year, but I mean when you looked at it, it was really a tale of two halves. Um, Northwestern dug themselves an enormous hole, let dude rack up hundreds and hundreds of yards in that first half. I think it was I think they may have had four hundred yards in the first half. Um, and then it was the second half where you saw Northwestern dominate. I think they only allowed Eighty something yards in the second half, and were able to come back, and and only lose the game by one score. I think that's that showed some fight. Um, had it gone north northwestern's way, well, maybe maybe the season shapes up a little bit differently. I don't know, but last year Duke was three and nine, ended the season on a on an eight game losing streak. Now, the Duke defense last year was one of the worst defenses in the country. It was, it was bad, um, and it was, it was tough to watch. They allowed 518 yards per game, and they, it was. It didn't matter how it happened. They gave up a ton of yards on the ground. They gave up a ton of yards in the air. I mean, they were giving up 206 yards on the ground each game, 311 yards in the air. That's not going to get it done. You you can't you can't be that bad. Um, and it's it's something that led to David Cutcliffe um, no longer being the head coach. Now they have a new head coach, Mike Elko. But with that, they have plenty, 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 plenty of other shakeups in that program. If you just look around, new quarterback, because your starting quarterback last season has transferred to Florida International. Um, you're, You lose a 1,200-yard rusher in Mateo Durant. Your new quarterback is Riley Leonard, who threw for about 300 yards last year. Um, nothing too crazy. You lose a 790-yard receiver in Jake Bobo, who's your leading receiver. And obviously, you have a new coach. You you have so much transition. There's so much transition on the Duke side. There's not a lot of transition on the on the, the uh, Northwest Western side um, when you talk about that matchup next week. But I think what you'll see in this game is. Duke may let a a struggling program in 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 Temple hang around that really has no business hang around, hanging around in the game. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Duke has anybody step up. Um, just because there's so many new faces, you have you're gonna have a new quarterback, a new running back, and likely a new. Um, Le- uh, well, you're going to have to have a new le- leading receiver. Um, the de- you're coming off defense last year that was one of the worst I've ever seen. <sniffs> Gave up a bajillion points and a bajillion yards every game. Um, personally, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that that they can turn it around and and... and get off the mat of last season in year one, which may feel like a year zero for Tim Elko, just because there's a lot that has to be fixed with the program. Um So I like, I like the way it's starting to trend for Northwestern, but it's going to be a game I'm going to have my eye on. I think Duke is favored by nine points. I think the over under is 51. Um, I think you'll probably see a very low-scoring game just because I think that there's in these week week zero games or week one games, rather, uh, there's a good opportunity for offenses to kind of struggle. Um, although Duke's defense was pretty bad last year, so maybe maybe they'll have to score in order to keep pace with Temple. But I think coming out of this game, you should see a, a, a team that you should feel confident that Northwestern can take on next week, uh, that Northwestern can can run the ball on, uh, can block up with the offensive line, and give Ryan Holinski plenty of time to throw. Um, you obviously get him at home next week. I think that's important. And I think that things set up well for, for Northwestern in this Week 2 game against Duke, but I am definitely going to have my eye on this Duke-Northwestern uh, game tonight, see what it looks like, um, or this Duke-Temple game tonight to see what it looks like so, so I have a better feel for what this Duke team is going to be when they come to Evanston in, in eight days. And take on Northwestern who's already coming off a big win. Um, so that's gonna be something I look for and um, but coming up here in a second, we're going to take a look at the other games in in college football and how they um, some lines make some picks just because it's uh, it's always fun in week week one when you have finally have a full slate of college football. First off, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, let's start in the Big Ten with Rutgers at Boston College. Game is at Boston College. Boston College is a seven point favorite, over under of 48. Going to be a low scoring game. I do think Boston College can be a sneakyish team in the uh, in the ACC, and uh, I'm probably going to lean them to win. I'm not sure if they win by full seven, just because I think uh, Rutgers and Greg Schiano can be a little uh, a little interesting and can put up a fight. Um, tonight, sorry, I skipped over this one. You have Illinois at Indiana. Indiana is actually a one and a half point favorite over under 46, which is super low. Um, Illinois obviously got their first game in last week in week zero, and um, Indiana's not played yet. You know, I, I kind of believe in Brett Bielma and Illinois. I kind of think that he may not be able to build Illinois into a Big 10 West contender. But I think the type of ball he's trying to play, I think, um, is capable of a little bit of success at Illinois. And I think the trend of his program is going in a different direction than Indiana. Um, the Tom Allen experience at Indiana was fun, um, at its peak, man, it was so much fun in that 2020 season. Things have come crashing down. He's kind of taken the, um, the save your job, get bailed out by transfers mentality. Uh, I'm not sure that's a recipe that works in week one. Uh, so give me the team that's already played a game that already has a general idea of what they are. Give me Illinois plus one and a half in that one. All right. Um, other ones to keep an eye on. that I don't see a line for it, but North Dakota at Nebraska. Because Nebraska is is having to get off the mat after losing to Northwestern in Ireland, they had to fly back, deal with the jet lag this week, and and as some one of my favorite um, college football sayings from from a podcast that I listened to, um, Split Zone Duo, they said. You should never schedule a team that ends in Dakota. So, because all those FCS teams are good right now, it's um, certainly interesting that they chose to to schedule that game just a week after playing Northwestern in Dublin. I think had they beaten Northwestern, you're probably carrying momentum and you could probably power through i just think that there's enough enough factors there that it's i'm not saying they're gonna lose but just keep one eye on it on the bottom line on when you're watching games whatever it is keep one eye on it it'll be interesting finally let's let's get to the big one the top five matchup um I'm really not sure if you can really consider it a top five matchup. Notre Dame at Ohio State. Number five at number two. Ohio State's 17-point favorite. Over-under is 59. Look, the difference here is Ohio State has a legitimate Heisman caliber quarterback, a legitimate Heisman candidate wide receiver, and a potential Heisman candidate running back. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't have that. And I think that's the story there. I think you see you see this this Ohio State team run away with it. I think that Ohio State is one of the two most dangerous teams in the country between them and Alabama and I think absolutely they smash Notre Dame in that game. Other big ones to take a look at. We're going to take a look at Oregon at Georgia. Another 17-point spread. Georgia is favored. It's not technically a home game for Georgia, but it's in Atlanta. So it's a de facto home game for Georgia. Over under 54. Um, Georgia's defense uh, lost a ton of pieces, but there's plenty of talent. It's just not proven yet. They have the best tight end tied in room in the country, Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, the freshman in there. Now is going to make an impact. I mean, they are super deep on that side of the ball. Um, and I think that they have weapons and Stetson Bennett's back. Take that. However you will. I just think that, um, especially matched up against their familiar foe, um, In in Bo Nix I think Oregon can keep it within 17 But I don't see a scenario Where Oregon pulls the upset Against Georgia But then again last year Oregon went Into Ohio State Very similar story Same kind of deal played out But Oregon ended up pulling the upset So Cincinnati At Arkansas Arkansas is a a 6.5 point favorite in this game Over under a 53 I think this one could get a little high scoring, uh, I think. But at the end of the day, Desmond Ritter is no longer at Cincinnati. You lose a ton of people in, at Cincinnati. I think Luke Fickle's the better coach in this game. But you've got so many unproven pieces in Cincy. Arkansas returns a decent amount. They lose Traylon Burks, but they bring in plenty of talent at receiver. Give me KJ Jefferson and Sam Pittman in this one. I think they cover the six and a half, and I think they go over in this game as well. As you keep scrolling down the uh, list of games, here's a great one, and it's Utah at Florida. Utah is a three point favorite. Florida's coming off a six and seven season. Utah is coming off a Pac 12 championship, over under 51 and a half. And I firmly believe this. If you put generic jerseys on these two teams and you said pick the SEC team, I think you would pick wrong almost 100 times out of 100. Utah's going to come in there and physically exert its will on, on Florida and run the football, and it's going to feel suffocating because Florida's, Florida's defense the last couple of years has not been tough. As especially last year, they were not a tough team. If you listen to Billy Napier talk in the media the all offseason, he talks so much about how it's going to take time. It's going to take time. We're going to build it from the foundation. It's going to take a look at temper your expectations because we're going to have to build this thing. Well, there may not be a worse opening game to schedule if you're trying to build something from the ground up, and and I don't think their defense is tough. Well, you welcome number seven Utah, who's going to come in and do to you what they did to Oregon twice last year when they outscored them what seventy six to seventeen in the in the regular season and then the Pac twelve championship game. I think Utah exerts its will and just dominates that game. Uh, elsewhere, you have LSU versus Florida State, I believe, on Sunday. LSU's 3 point favorite over under 50 and a half. I don't think there's a game where we know less about two teams. You got Brian Kelly at LSU in year 1. You got a new quarterback. Heck, it's a team that played a bowl game last year with just 38 scholarship players. Florida State uh feels like they've got to start having some positive momentum. This game could be a blowout for either side or it could be razor close I don't have a feel if you were gonna f- force me to make a pick I'm gonna go I'm gonna go LSU minus three just because the talent might be a little better um over under 50 and a half truly don't have a feeling that I might take the under there could be totally wrong uh and then I guess other games to keep an eye on Houston versus UTSA Houston's only a four-point favorite. It's at UTSA. Um, keep in mind, UTSA's coming off, what, an 11-win year last year? They were awesome. They keep Jeff Trailer. You can make an argument that he's the best or second-best coach in the state of Texas, depending on where you put Dave Aranda. Uh, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. And then elsewhere, when you look around, I think the the – Kentucky has has a spunky Mac team to play in Miami of Ohio. Uh, BYUs on the road at South Florida. What can South Florida do in that game? BYU um, has one of the weirdest schedules if you want to go look at something and just be like, who who chose this? Um, Ole Miss new quarterback replacing a lot of stuff on the offense. Jeff Levy has left for Oklahoma uh they are 21 and a half point favorites over troy that's one to keep an eye on and yeah i mean that i mean i can't wait for a full slate i i'm going to be watching all of these games i'm gonna be glued to tvs all saturday um today i'm i'll probably be uh calling high school football so i'll have to go back and see what happens in the games tonight but we will see, and uh, we will be back Monday to react to it all and start to talk about this Duke-Northwestern matchup. Um, but thank you for making Locked on Northwestern your first listen. For anything and everything Northwestern, I'm your host, Carter Bird. You can follow me on Instagram at carterbird13 and on Twitter at carterbird13 as well. Um, it's it's going to be fun. Football is back. Last night, we got two unbelievable games um, in Penn State-Purdue. one that, that one broke my brain, really did. And you got Pitt-West Virginia. And if that's a preview for the weekend to come, it's going to be a whole lot of fun um and i can't wait for it but thanks again for making locked on northwestern your first listen every day now for your second listen go check out the ultimate pro football preview 2022 an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season local team experts of the locked on podcast network plus a betting angle from lee sterling of locked on bets all combining into one ultimate NFL preview Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I think that's going to do it for today, and we'll see you on Monday.